Good morning. This is Maggie Jones and Natural Wonders. Today I'm going to talk about one of my favorite birds, the cliff swallows. These are the swallows you see when you drive over bridges and big culverts in summer. They choose these sites because they provide good structure for building their elaborate mud nests and protection for their young. They're especially easy to notice under and around the bigger concrete bridges where you may see thousands of swallows flying out over the landscape. You might see them gathering mud in the wet places for building their gourd-shaped nests and flying back to their nests with mud in their beaks. They are aerial insectivores, catching insects on the wing. They bring that protein-rich food to their babies you can also see these birds in colonies and culverts on county and state highways, and these days less often on their ancestral cliff walls or with their nests attached to the walls of buildings below the eaves. From a canoe not long ago, I saw a large colony on a cliff along the upper Iowa River down from Bluffton. They are long, long distance migrants and are highly social in their lives are lived in colonies. I have a book to recommend, which I will quote from, called Swallow Summer by Charles Brown, published by the University of Nebraska Press, which details decades of work done by him, his wife, Mary Brown, with the help of hundreds of interns over the years, studying cliff swallows during their brief time in North America, raising their young. Reading this book inspired me to create an informational kiosk in the village of Gays Mills. I did this with the help of community conservation's Scott Bernstein and with my husband's endless carpentry skills. The village generously allowed us to put it up near the bridge over the Kickapoo River. Because of repeated flooding over the years there, the kiosk has been moved to higher ground across the road and east of the bridge in the park. I hope you look for it if you're in town. Before the new bridge was built in Gaze Mills, only pigeons nested under the old one. But when the new concrete bridge replaced it in 2003, there appeared that spring a colony of chimney swifts. If you walk down and look below an active bridge, you will see their nests made of mud, looking like gourds with a small entrance hole. You may also see the birds gathering together at wet, muddy spots on the ground. It's a treat to see that. I'll read right now from Arthur Cleveland Bent's Life Histories of Birds of North America. I'll read some excerpts on the cliff swallow. This was published in 1942. These are descriptions of their nest building. If these old and interesting observations interest you, you can find reprints at your favorite used bookstore. The editor is A.C. Bent, B-E-N-T. There's a wiki page about this multi-volume publication. Search for Bent's Life Histories. From Bent's Life Histories on the Cliff Swallow, written in 1878, this passage by Cooey's, observing cliff swallows in the Colorado Valley, he says, watching closely, we may chance to see a circle of them gathered around the margin of the pool, insecurely balanced on their tiny feet, tilting their tails and ducking their heads 
to pick up little gobs of mud. Then off go the birds and stick the pellet against the wall, as carefully as ever a sailor about to spin a yarn deposited his chew on the mantelpiece. The birds work together indefatigably. They are busy as bees, and a steady stream flows back and forth for several hours a day, with intervals for rest and refreshment when the swallows swarm about a fly-catching. In an incredibly short time, the basement of the nest is laid, and the whole form becomes clearly outlined. The mud dries quickly, and there is a standing place. This is soon occupied by one of the pair, probably the female, who now stays at home to welcome her mate with redoubled cries of joy and ecstatic quivering of the wings as he brings fresh pellets, which the pair in closest consultation disposed to their entire satisfaction. In three or four days, perhaps, the deed is done. The house is built, and nothing remains but to furnish it. The poultry yard is visited and laid under contribution of feathers. Hay, leaves, rags, paper, string, swallows are not very particular, may be added. And then the female does the rest of the furnishing by her own particular self. Another description of mud gathering in Bent. This is at 1910, the description written by Brown, as he observed at Grand Pre, Nova Scotia. In one place was a trench dug some five feet deep and with a most inviting bed of soft, sticky clay at the bottom. The swallows were making the most of the opening of such a mine, and through the entire forenoon that I observed them, they flocked in numbers and worked most conscientiously. They came in eager succession, fluttering down, feet dropped, ready to settle lightly on the soft mud. The moment the feet touched the ground, the body and tail were well up so as not to soil those sleek feathers, and the wings extended straight over the back, continually fluttering to keep the feet from sinking or sticking. Mouthfuls of clay were quickly gathered, the wings continually shaking, and soon the swallow was off. Everyone was busy, mostly mindful only of his own affairs, but now and then a tiff occurred where two wanted the same spot. Every newcomer called softly, and those flying above and across were musically happy. And another description of their nest building, written by Reed in 1927, Reed relates a case of a cliff swallow's nest built over a back door of a home where there was a constant traffic of persons and a slamming of the screen door. After the young had hatched, the nest crumbled and fell with the young to the floor. The young were placed in a strawberry box hung up where the nest had been plastered. The adult birds at once proceeded to cover the box with mud to protect and conceal the young, which were successfully reared. The following year, the pair returned and repaired to the strawberry basket, but after an egg was mysteriously destroyed, they made over a Phoebe's nest and successfully reared their brood there. Wright, in 1924, cites a similar case in which the young of a fallen nest were placed in a tin can nailed to the barn. The birds returned at once and built a neck of a nest over the opening of the can. And one more little story from Bent. 
The further adaptability of this bird is shown in its ability to meet a situation when the usual nesting sites are not available. Dawson, 1923, writes, Both Grinnell and Willett have recorded how the cliff swallows of Bear Valley hard put to it for nesting sites in an otherwise delectable country attached their retorts to the sides and under surfaces of great pine trees. A photograph published by Dawson, 1923, shows a colony of nests on a yellow pine taken at Bear Lake in the San Bernardino Mountains of California. The nests are restricted to clusters concentrated on the trunk beneath the larger branches of the tree where they are better protected from rains. Nuttall, 1832, states that cliff swallows build in trees along the Columbia River, unquote. That makes my mind real at thinking about how large these trees must have been in those days. Now we come to more recent times. I'm going to read the preface from Swallow Summer by Charles Brown. This is a book about why I love to do research. I've had two goals in mind while writing. The first has been to convey the challenges, thrills, and frustrations that come with studying wild animals in the field. Scientists aren't often very good at communicating what they do, and the public in general is unaware of the excitement that comes often daily to those of us fortunate enough to be involved in scientific discovery. I want to share that excitement. I've tried to make my story about research accessible to anyone with even a casual interest in natural history. This book describes research in one place on one species, but it could represent any time, any place, or any scientist who seeks to learn something new about things he or she loves. My second goal in writing this book has been to tell the cliff swallow's story. This bird is one of the world's most fascinating creatures. It nests in enormous colonies, and its social life is a complex web of diverse traits, all associated in some way with its habit of forming groups. Some of these traits are shared by all social organisms, including humans. It's impossible to convey in sterile scientific language the true essence of these little birds, how competitive, cooperative, mean, insecure, and thoroughly social cliff swallows are. I want to share with others why they have intrigued me for so long. Since this book is about both field ecology and the cliff swallows themselves, I have intended it for several audiences. One consists of people who are interested in science, natural history, or birds, but have no formal training in biology. I've tried to write as plainly as possible without technical terms. Other readers I've had in mind are students who might be contemplating research, especially field research, and who might gain some guidance from my experiences. Professional ecologists and ornithologists might find this story at least entertaining, and perhaps they too will learn something new about these birds and their behavior. I hope most of all that anyone with even mild interest in what scientists do or curiosity about what motivates some of us will use this book to vicariously experience life in the field." Unquote. And I have some final thoughts. The importance of planting native shrubs and flowers 
as you may have heard me talking about in the past many times, has a very, very direct relationship to the birds we love. They all depend on healthy insect populations to thrive. Native plants in our backyards host our native insects. Insects need those host plants to find food and to reproduce. And here with the cliff swallow is one example of a bird who depends entirely on insects. The importance couldn't be greater for us to be aware and to act to promote the well-being of our insects and all that they depend on. Please think about this when you're enjoying the bird song this summer. And please do plant some native shrubs and flowers in your yard. This is Maggie Jones and Natural Wonders. Thanks for listening.